Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now we are. Uh, All right. There, there it is. <laughs> anyway, follow Matt at Draftaholic on Twitter. <laughs> follow me at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. We're happy to have all of you guys with us, as always. Uh, I'm not going to do the whole intro again. Matt, I think all I said was I'm really excited for these games. Uh, you couldn't ask for two better matchups in each conference. And more than anything, guys, we're happy to have you close the season out with us. We're, we're almost there. We got one more weekend and then a week off and then the Super Bowl. We're going to do some awesome stuff for that. Hit that thumbs up if you want to help support us. It's totally free to do. If you like the content and you uh, you know think sometime along the way maybe we helped you and you appreciate all the free stuff here on the Awesome YouTube channel. Also, subscribe to the channel. That's the biggest thing right now. We're so close to that 50K mark. We're just under... We're just under 49,000, which means that'll give us about, I don't know, two and a half, three weeks to get to that 50K mark as the Super Bowl approaches. Uh, We can't do it without you. We couldn't have gotten here where we are right now without you guys either. So appreciate you big time. Matt, you ready to jump into this? Ready to roll. Just wanted to say thank you as well, guys. Penultimate show of the 2020-21 season. So happy to be here with you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Let's roll. All right, let's make it happen. We've got four game or four teams, two games. We'll start it. We'll go we go game by game, but really what we're doing here is going team by team. It's the easiest way. Uh it's the easiest way to do it and, and convey this information to all of you watching the show. Uh first one, it's gotta be Tampa Bay on the road, three oh five Eastern time against the Green Bay Packers. Uh like I said, Matt, the, the weather here could get a little bit dicey. You got no real strong winds, and it is during the day, so it's not like you're going to get this 8 p.m. or, you know, 7 p.m. cold, frigid, 15-degree uh, game. It's actually looking to be like 27 now. Uh, when I looked last week, you were looking around 20 degrees with potential snow. But still, it's cold weather for a warm-weather team in Tampa. I, I think the one benefit here is you don't necessarily have to worry about Tom Brady, and I also think, just to jump into this without getting into the specific plays, but more so just the overall view of this, I think we overstate sometimes cold weather. Unless it's like negative three. Remember that Packers-Giants game at Lambeau? Oh, of course. Uh, with, yeah. With, yeah, right, with Eli Manning against, um, against Brett, Favre. Brett Favre. And it was like negative four degrees, wind chill, negative. That is cold. 
But with yeah. this, these are grown men that are out there in short <laughs> sleeves in 25 degree weather, and they don't even notice it. So I think we shouldn't overstate that too much. But you know, I'm riding with the Packers. I've been doing so since the beginning, and I can't jump off now. Yeah, I mean, they certainly have looked like the best team in the NFC for much of the 2020 season, certainly the second half. In fact, they've only lost two games since that shellacking against Tampa Bay in week six. They lost to Minnesota by, I believe, six points and the Colts, who we know are a very strong team that Bills knocked out earlier in the playoffs by three points. Other than that, the Packers are undefeated since that loss in Tampa Bay. I'm not really concerned about the quality of either team based on cold weather. Like you said, the the forecast itself looks a little bit better than it originally did. Tom Brady, as we know, plenty of cold weather, cold weather playoff games. So there's really not much of a weather concern. They also changed the uh, the arrangement of the seating at uh, Lambeau last time they renovated it. They've actually said that the wind is not as much of a factor as that game uh, that we talked about Eli Manning versus Brett Favre over a decade ago. I'm really surprised, though, that the Packers are over 70% or excuse me, over 60% chance to win this game because I believe the Buccaneers have a much closer chance to winning this game, much, much closer to 50 50, in my opinion, especially since they've already taken down Aaron Rodgers in the famous two pumps game where he then just completely crumbled through multiple interceptions, had his worst game of what turned out to be an MVP season. So I think it's going to be an incredibly close game, and there are so many good players. Uh, I just can't wait to dig dig into it from a player level. This is great. I'm with you. I had zero confidence in the Rams last week, but this is is a different team. This Tampa Bay team is, is good. Uh, and, you know, one of the ways that, that the Green Bay Packers were able to move the ball so effectively last week was on the ground. I mean, you look at the, the carries for while, uh, while A.J. Dillon wasn't, was only out there for nine offensive snaps. I think he had uh, six carries. Jamal Williams had 12. Aaron Jones had 14. I mean, you combine the, the three of those, and, and those guys are what? You're looking at 30-plus carries for, the, for those three backs, 75 offensive snaps uh, for Aaron Rodgers in this offense. I do think, though, it's going to look a little bit different this week. For me, it's simple, though. I just, I'm riding or dying, riding and dying, hopefully the, 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 not the former or not the latter, riding or dying. <laughs> riding and I living. Say. Yes, hopefully, with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers. I just, and you're right, the, one, the ugliest game this season was they got their doors blown off by Tampa Bay. But I'm also of the mindset that they have a long time over the course of a season to adjust, not to mention – that no, even an MVP candidate's going to have a bad game over 19, 20 weeks of a season. So we'll see. Let's start it off with Tampa Bay, Matt. Uh, I actually want to kick it off with the ground game here because I think this is a little bit more interesting. By the way, for those of you guys that are building lineups as we go along, keep in mind uh, Antonio Brown, a lot of guys questionable, limited practice. Antonio Brown seems like the one player on this offense among the skill players that might actually not play. So we'll start it with the run game, though. Leonard Fournette last week uh, got not the lion's share, but 17 carries. The big thing is he was targeted six times while Ronald Jones saw 13 carries, not far behind, but only one target in the passing game. Leonard Fournette has evolved into the clear passing down back on this offense, and uh, he is now more expensive than Ronald Jones on DraftKings. Yeah, it's, there's a little bit of sticker shock when you look at Leonard Fournette, especially compared to how we perceived him in the middle of this season. And we know that Ronald Jones' injury status has helped him achieve more volume than we thought he would, even down the stretch. 
but he's performed admirably. And if you actually look at this game, uh, the running backs from this game from an expected points standpoint, he's actually second in this game and second on the slate overall and expected points per game since week 14 at the running back position. So, you know, we're not expecting huge, huge volume from Leonard Fournette, especially if Ronald Jones is healthy and playing. But the Packers are not strong defensively against the run. They rank 24th in expected points allowed rushing this season. Uh, That's nothing to write home about. And it's actually much worse than their passing defense, which was right at league average. So obviously Tom Brady and this Bruce Arians offense, even with or without uh, Antonio Brown, they're going to pass plenty. We know that. But I don't think that Leonard Fournette is a bad play, even though that salary is, is crazy to look at. Uh, 5,300 is not crazy on DraftKings, but that's the second highest running back on this slate uh, right behind Aaron Jones. So, it, you know, it's hard to look at that way, but, you know, he deserves it in the way that he's gotten tremendous volume and actually played pretty well. One thing I will mention, though, he's projected for over 40% ownership. So there are going to be some strategic fade options and playing Ronald Jones in large field tournaments makes sense simply because you just want to get away from that many people leaning on Leonard Fournette, who is no sure thing. Yeah, uh, it's not exactly a stacked running back field, especially when Aaron Jones is uh, in a really, really difficult matchup. So uh, I think, yeah, you have to look at Leonard Fournette. Let me just dive a little bit deeper on Jones here. Uh, Assuming ownership comes in much lower on Jones. Do we have ownership? Let me check to see if we have ownership up yet. Yeah, I believe we do here. I think we do. Yeah. Uh, Let me see if we've got adjustments. Is that your audio coming in all weird? Sound like I'm something rubbing up against the microphone. Oh, yeah, there's something rubbing up against like a microphone or something. We're okay now. Um, all right, so we do have it. Let's see. We've got Fournette around 42 percent, which two games late don't read too much into that. Uh, and then you have Ronald Jones at like 15 or 17 percent. So I, I, I'd say it like this: if this game is competitive, and they do decide that in a lower scoring game, which I I think is possible. They're leaning on the run heavier uh, where you can, as you pointed out, really exploit this green Bay defense. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ronald Jones see, you know, 15 carries himself. So while I like Leonard Fournette more and the passing game upside really elevates his ceiling, I'm not opposed to Ronald Jones, especially if he falls into the end zone once or twice, which we've seen happen quite a bit this season. Yeah, and especially on a two-game slate, like you inferred here, there's just a lot of game theory play that we can just just simply say, this many people are playing Leonard Fournette in this lineup. I want to go the opposite direction. And then we can be chalky in other places. We can play the Chiefs passing game that we'll get to, or, or even the Packers passing game. Don't be afraid, especially in this small slate, to do some unorthodox run back options either. You can stack with running backs. You just get a little bit more creative, and Ronald Jones fits into that category perfectly. Yes. He'll need touchdown efficiency in order to be worthwhile. But him doing well is particular leverage over a player like Fournette, who, like I said, the expected points do look pretty good compared to the rest of the running back field, which besides Aaron Jones looks kind of barren in this slate, really. It's still, like I said, no sure thing. So in that that case, I like Ronald Jones. No problem. Me too. What about the passing game here? Uh, Tom Brady concluded his season with just remarkable numbers through and through, right? Uh, Even last week, was he great? No, not at all, but he was good enough. He had that rushing touchdown at the goal line, which bolstered his numbers, three total. 
Um, and, and you've seen him now with, with two, with two plus passing touchdowns in every game dating back to week six, or I'm sorry, dating back to week 10. Uh, and, and I think only three games on the entire season, he has fewer than two passing touchdowns. So you've gotten pretty good, reliable production from Tom Brady. What are we doing with them this week? Uh, uh, having the options, you're going to see Q tags on Evans, Godwin. Those guys are going to play. I'd be shocked if they didn't. Uh, I think Antonio Brown has a legitimate shot of not playing in this game, and Bruce Arians seemed to share a similar sentiment with that knee injury. What are your thoughts on the passing game for Tampa against Green Bay this week? They're three-and-a-half-point dogs at Lambeau. Yeah, I am concerned about Antonio Brown. Right now, the way that I built out my matchups column for this week, I do project him as in, but of course, I'll change that as the week goes. Uh, gets We get closer to Sunday here. With Tom Brady specifically, as you said, his efficiency especially age adjusted has been completely off the charts. And in the second half of the season, there haven't been many quarterbacks better. They just happen to be playing this weekend. Brady is fourth in his positional salary amongst quarterbacks. That's last amongst the starters, obviously, but he's second in expected fantasy points. So right there, there's a little bit of a value in terms of just the overall passing volume and the value of that volume that Brady typically gives his receivers. And not unsurprisingly, all three of Godwin, Evans and Antonio Brown, assuming he plays, have had fantasy points scored over expectation, meaning they're being efficient on top of Brady's efficiency as well. Usually when we see a whole receiving core playing efficiently, that's because of the quarterback. So I absolutely am fine with Tom Brady, even not playing any of the receivers. I'm fine with Tom Brady against the Packers pass defense that was just league average during the season. Yes, we've waxed poetic in uh, previous matchup shows about how good Jari Alexander is, but he can only shadow one of these receivers at one time. And you got to go all the way down to Cameron Bray and Rob Gronkowski before you find a receiver who's actually performing slightly below expectation. And it is just slightly below expectation. This pass offense is firing on all cylinders. They just happen to be playing Aaron Rodgers, who might have the best <laughs> passing season we've seen in a while since Patrick Mahomes 2018, for sure. Do you think there? Do you think there's going to be a shadow matchup here, though, or is Jair Alexander just going to really? You know, I don't necessarily know what the point is uh, to try. I guess you know, take it like last week for example. Mike Evans was held to one reception for three yards. It just so happened to be a touchdown. Uh, but they have so many other ways of attacking you. Does Jair Alexander you know, hone in on one player, uh, or do you think he spreads it around? Because if that's the case then we're going to have you know more opportunity to look at any of these guys and just say they're going to get enough snaps without Jair Alexander on them. I think it's the latter in this case. Green Bay, according to the PFF shadow chart matrix that I'm looking at, hasn't actually used shadow coverage with Alexander since week seven. So they clearly have That's moved away from well. that in the second half of the season. He has a 90.6 rating, by the way. I mean, he's just tremendous. <laughs> like, w There's no doubt about it. And even if they're not shadowing, when Alexander... Brady is going to find Jari Alexander on every play and try to throw away from him. We're not going to see a lot of throws to his side of the field suddenly. They're not going to challenge him all of a sudden. They're going to overwhelm the Packers secondary with an abundance of weaponry. So, uh, yeah, if Antonio Brown doesn't play, I think you do give slight boosts to Cameron Bray and Rob Gronkowski. Uh, in my matchups, Colin, I create an opportunity score, which is position-specific, and it's basically scaled out of 100, and both Great and Gronkowski have scores above 65 for tight ends. So if you're looking for, you know, 
kind of an off-the-wall tight end play on a, four, on a four-team slate, that's what you're going to have to look for. And there definitely could be boosted volume there. But Brady himself is actually my favorite Buccaneers player this weekend. It's just because of that expected points versus the salary-based expectations. He's just a really solid value. All right. Uh, our friend, Charlie Reinhardt, says, question for Matt Savoca, not Laffy in all caps, with all the injuries <laughs> to the Bucks receivers, any interest in low-owned Kevin Stadler? This guy, every by the way, it's a super chat. Kevin Stadler's a golfer. For the, all season, he's been trying to get me to read these questions, uh, and I've looked dumbfounded <laughs> on multiple occasions. Uh, thank you for the super chat again, man. Yeah, they're just <laughs> every single time. And usually he gets me. He got me here, too. As I go, he just doesn't want to hear my opinion. Let me read this question. It almost worked. Um, I would have. What about Rob? You had just let me go. I would have gotten it. He would have gotten exactly what he wanted. I'm sorry, buddy. (laughs) You know what? Next time, next time I'll do it. I'll try and get another host on there. I can't keep a straight face with it though. That's the problem. (laughs) You know, Uh, I could keep a straight face with that. I think you would probably have started scrambling. Like, wait, is there a Kevin Stadler on this roster that I don't know? I absolutely opened a new tab. I was ready to Google (laughs) that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Rob Gronkowski postseason experience this year has not been uh, all that impressive. Although I think we can at least take some solace in knowing that he was targeted five times last game, uh, Matt, which is, you know, a huge upgrade from what we saw in that uh, wildcard weekend win over Washington. But I think I mentioned to you last week, when I looked at, at, at the first game, I went and dug into the numbers, the eye test as I watched that Washington Tampa game, which was, I think way better than any of us could have ever anticipated was Truly. He's in blocking a lot more. He's blocking way more. That's what's happening. But then I went to pro football focus and he's running the same, he was running the same amount of routes as he did uh, in, in any of those other games, give or take a couple, right? So five targets last game was at least somewhat encouraging. It's a short slate. Travis Kelsey obviously is the premier tight end option, but with only four teams, are you willing to stack Brady with Gronkowski in some of these lineups? Oh, 100%, especially when we're talking about two players in Gronkowski and Brait who are not expected to have any higher than about 15% ownership. On a small slate, we just have a limited number of starting tight ends. And yes, it's a little bit complicated that there are two starter-level tight ends if you want to include Cameron Brait in there. But you know that they're going to dial up Rob Gronkowski's name if they get near the goal line once or twice. The bottom line is if you add up the value of all of the volume that these two tight ends have seen over the last six weeks since uh, week 14, they both come out to about seven and a half fantasy points per game, which is nothing to write home about unless you're looking at a $3,000 tight end on DraftKings. If they land in the end zone, which they're prone to do in Tom Brady's offense, they're all of a sudden a value six, you know, basically doubling their value. Uh, or their expectation, I, I should say. And, you know, the bottom line is the Tampa Bay offense isn't at 100% with Antonio Brown having that knee injury. And by the way, that was non-contact. It didn't look good. And it, they yeah. <laughs> their adjusted rush rate was 30th amongst all teams this year. That's on the Osmo Advanced Stats page. So it's not like they're planning on leaning on the run unless they see something really specific. So more pass volume and a small slate, absolutely fine with either tight end. All right. On the other side of this one, you've got the uh, Green Bay Packers. They have a 27.25 implied total, three and a half point favorites here. Um, And the, uh, 
the, 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 the argument to be made for Aaron Rodgers winning the MVP is just too strong right now. Like he's got it, right? Yeah, I, I wrote in my matchups column that it's completely done. You know, the number one seed, the huge second half of the season, and the touchdown lead will usually get it done. All right. So I think so as well. And did what did he throw, 50 touchdowns this season or something absurd? 48, I believe. Uh, yeah. 40, 48 touchdowns. I think he had 50-plus total because, yeah, four rushing. No, he threw – oh, no, you know what? I think I'm looking at – I was looking at postseason as well. Yeah, you're right. 48 plus uh, three rushing touchdowns, 51 total. Absolute stud, this fella. Uh, and it's funny, it's almost like a resurgence because I think a lot of people began to write him off. I'm not sure if the if the Green Bay front office didn't write him off drafting Jordan Love in the first round of the NFL draft this year. But, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers said something to be said for that. And I just, I love the guy. I'm not a, I'm not a Packers fan. Matter of fact, on the field, I usually root against him. But I love his personality, his mentality. Uh, I love that he's never satisfied. I don't know. He's just the type of guy that uh, I appreciate. Anyway, Matt, that means nothing when it comes to DFS. <laughs> but Aaron Rodgers going up to Tampa Bay is certainly in a spot where I'm not – maybe you are, and, and I'm, that's why we do this show. It's fun to talk about and read into everything and, and go back and forth and have different um, contrary opinions. But I'm not looking at one game on the season and reading too far into that. I mean, the Saints beat the, the Tampa Bay Bucks twice and then lost to them last week. Granted, Drew Brees' arm is pretty much shot, but they smoked them in, in one game. I, I, Aaron Rodgers at home, I still think he's going to move the football. When you have Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, I expect them to do big things. What are you doing with the passing game? Of course, and I, and I completely agree with you. We can't use that one-game sample size where things unraveled rather quickly. You know, also, passing when you're down by a lot, contrary to popular belief, at least at the analytics community in the NFL uh, has shown so far, it's harder to pass when you're down by more, even though people think of garbage time being, quote-unquote, easy for quarterbacks. It certainly wasn't in that game against Tampa Bay. And like you said, that's so far removed from what we saw with Aaron Rodgers the rest of the season. We just simply can't factor that one game into this projection all too much. Now, I was really surprised to see that in terms of expected fantasy points, Aaron Rodgers is actually the lowest of the four quarterbacks um, on this slate. But in fantasy points scored over expectation per game over the second half of the season, he's number one on the slate. So the guy is just incredibly, incredibly efficient right now, especially since week 14, which are where these calculations came uh, from, from my side came from. And then when you're looking at a quarterback who's third on the slate at his position, I think you could absolutely play him with or without a stack. Of course, it's very enticing to play him with somebody like Devontae Adams. You know so much of the volume is going to be there. But we already said Aaron Jones doesn't look like a terrible play despite the tough matchup. I actually think I'm going to be right around the field right now. He's projected around 23% ownership. Uh, it's just one of those things where we have to respect the Tampa Bay defense in general. While I said all those things about Aaron Rodgers' quality of play over the second half of the season, the Tampa Bay defense is probably the best defense left in the tournament at this point. So I, I think, like you said, we have a pretty large probability of this game hitting the under and just becoming a defensive battle where teams play for clock control. Of course, Rogers is going to take his shot. He just doesn't jump off the page in terms of projection. Okay. Uh, last week you saw Devonte Adams with a, 
you know, somewhat underwhelming game with only 66 yards and a touchdown, but that's underwhelming by his standards. He still <laughs> caught nine of 10 passes. And, you know, that's going up against a very, very stingy Rams defense and Jalen Ramsey, who in all seriousness at times looked lost and frustrated more than I've seen all season. Uh, yeah, that Devante touchdown, Adams, he was furious. Yes. Oh, sorry, go yeah, ahead. Furious. Yeah. Uh, to me, Devontae Adams getting the ownership that he is, it just makes sense. I'm, I, I'll always be willing to get to Devontae Adams. And at $8,000, I don't think that's too expensive at all. Uh, I'm queuing him up for another big game. Outside of Adams, though, what are your thoughts on guys like Lazard, MVS, Robert Tunyon, and those guys? Yeah, I actually like these players in the larger field tournaments. I think Lazard and MVS are absolutely uh, in play this week. Again, I'll bring up that opportunity score that I use for picking out large field tournament players. On a slate like this, especially when the Buccaneers on the other side of the ball have high-profile weapons, even just the name brands of Rob Gronkowski can push that ownership up just a little bit. I think you could go... I think you could do a lot worse than Alan Lazard or Marcus Valdez scaling because you assume that in order to win this game, the Packers are going to have some competency moving the ball, passing the ball, and likely scoring. And again, you're never going to move completely away from Devontae Adams. You know, he's projected for over 50% ownership. But when you go into larger field tournaments, just betting on the Packers' offense and going to Lazard, who, by the way, has played more than MBS over recent over recent weeks and scored last week. I think you could absolutely go to them. I still like Robert Tunyon. Still like him as he comes out as second among tight ends in my expected projection metric in the matchups column this week. So I actually think that even though it's, again, a tough matchup, the Tampa Bay defense is very well balanced against the pass and the run. These are where you want to get your auxiliary options connected to Aaron Rodgers. All right. The run game as we close out this one. And yes, I mentioned to Chris in chat, we will certainly get to uh, you know, just the kind of ramifications of Antonio Brown being out, if that's the case, uh, and any contingency plan there, any other you know tertiary options, Matt, that we might look to in the Tampa Bay passing game and whether or not that bolsters Mike Evans and Chris Cobb. We'll only spend a second on it because we don't want to go too long here, but uh, we'll hit on it. This is sure. a really tough matchup on the ground, and I, I have some serious concerns about all of these running backs. Aaron Jones ran a lot of routes last week, which was encouraging because he wasn't getting a lion's share type of carry or a bell cow back workload. But against the Tampa Bay run defense, and I guess you could say the same about the Rams because they're a very good run defense, but I, I just I, I look at it this way. Really tough matchup on the ground, number one. Number two, I, there's there's no clear number, definitive number one here. It's Jones, sure, but that might mean 15 carries to 13 carries or 11 to 8, and that worries me a little bit. Maybe you have a contrary opinion and can change my mind here. Well, if you look at the value of all of that volume, and I'm not disagreeing, they're clearly the Packers are fine rotating in a three-back system. And by the way, A.J. Dillon as a backup has been much more productive since week 14 than fellow backup Jamal Williams. But Aaron Jones sure. still is averaging 19 and a half, or excuse me, 14 and a half expected fantasy points over the last six weeks, which is nothing to, you know, 
It's not incredible, but it's still third best on the slate. And he- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Still performing over two and a half points over expectation per game during that same span. So obviously, it's a little bit of a byproduct of the Packers' highly efficient offense. And like you said, there's no guarantee that he's going to get a bell cow workload every week. If you add up the expected points of both Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon, it still comes out to 10 expected fantasy points less than Aaron Jones. So yes, it's a little bit nerve wracking betting on him, especially when he looks like he might be the highest owned skill position player on the slate. Right now it's projected for 57 and a half percent on Osmo.com uh, in projected ownership. That's a whole lot, but you're really just betting on the offense. I actually think that I will be below the field on Aaron Jones, but it's really scary. I, I really think that he has a chance here, even with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rated number one, in rush defensive efficiency over the course of the season. Fair enough. Aaron Jones um, coming in right now, ownership sitting at third highest on the slate. So it is certainly not, okay, you know, yeah. it, your opinion is not contrary to, to most people that are playing this week. And I get it because his salary has come down. But uh, I, I do worry a little bit about just the potential full-out timeshare uh, but you're right, Aaron Jones, He, like I said, he, he still is the guy, but he's just not the guy. You know what I mean, Matt? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, uh, this whole slate is kind of devoid of bell cows, so Aaron Jones starts to look a little bit more enticing than the Packers necessarily value him. Not to say that he doesn't get the high-value touches. We just went over why he does, but there's definitely ways it could go wrong, especially when almost 60% of the field might end up rostering him. Antoine says, Rojo is more of a Cam Akers back, tight back. He can gas the Packers. I will say this much. Rojo had a couple really nice runs last week, man. Like, really nice runs, breaking, t- shedding tackles, um, doing a lot of things that Leonard Fournette cannot and never could do. A lot of jump cuts, just ch- changes direction on a dime. But apparently he's not the guy they want out there on third downs catching footballs, and that's kind of unfortunate. But I still have I've plenty of interest in him this week. and maybe. After he's gotten another full week, uh, uh, maybe he's even healthier this week. Who knows? Maybe that makes a difference, and he does uh, take over more work. Plus, Bruce Arians. Um, Bruce Arians is the type of coach that we've seen him run with the hot hand on many occasions. If Ronald Jones gets off to a hot start, even if Leonard Jones starts, uh, I could certainly see Ronald Jones getting way more work than anticipated. At seventeen percent right now, uh, he's easily one of my maybe my favorite value play. Uh, on the night, if I can lock in maybe 15 to 17 touches on a two game slate at 17%, 
That's crazy. Anyway, Matt, close this game out for me. Uh, what happens if Antonio Brown doesn't play? Your final thoughts here, because this could be a big uh, integral part of how we're making lineups. Yeah, absolutely. I really think that you're not going to see a humongous boost in volume for either tight end or Scotty Miller or Tyler Johnson. I really think you're just going to see situations where Tom Brady picks his battles against whatever matchup in the secondary that he sees Mike Evans or Chris Godwin going up against, and he's going to toss the ball up aggressively to try to win this game, especially as slight underdogs. I love your call about Ronald Jones. He actually only has about two expected fantasy points less than Aaron Jones over the last six weeks now it's a little bit hard to suss out the expected fantasy points because of the injuries to jones sort of artificially boosting fournette up and bringing jones's totals down but still i really like that call him just being the hot hand and like you said they're very very different backs still leonard fournette might be that in those situations where it's third and one and he's getting first downs and if that ends up at the goal line he'll plunge into the end zone no problem but Ronald Jones absolutely could break a few plays and change the entire slate. So I love that call. All right, guys, let's get to the second and final game, Buffalo and Kansas City. Before we do, though, if you're jumping in late, hit that thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. I know a lot of you guys in here have been with us all season long, and you already hit that thumbs up when you walked in the door. You've already subscribed to the channel. But for those of you that are new and you want to uh, stick around for a little while, uh, do both of those things. And if you hate it, just unsubscribe. You know, or hit the thumbs down button twice. So anyway, <laughs> we have a lot. We have a lot of uh, awesome stuff at awesomeo.com, and and I'd love for you guys to check it out. Whether it's the weekly express pass for three ninety five a week, all access weekly, all of our sports, including UFC, NASCAR, PGA, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, an amazing uh, NHL product. All of that stuff, you can get it for weekly, you can get it monthly. If you want to make a legitimate investment, you can do annually. Uh, and the best part, all of the tools we have, and this is why you know, people always say, oh, but when Laffy, when Laffy does a read, he's, uh, he's so animated about it, it makes me want to you know, go over that. That's because I actually believe in, in what we have. There's a big difference. I've, I've, I've done sales before, Matt. I promise, I've done sales before for products that were straight dog shit, and I wasn't good <laughs> at it because... I don't like to lie to people. You know what I mean? Uh, unless it's hey, something I, small well in my said. life. You know, but <laughs> uh, ultimately, I, I, I want you guys to check this out because it's awesome. And Alex Baker, Osmo himself, he's the one that built these tools and won a ton of money using the same tools that we have on the site. And uh, that's really all there is to it. And you can get it any type of player, whether you're a hobbyist, whether you're a pro, whether you're just getting serious, whether you want to check it out or you want to be in for the long haul. All of that stuff from ownership projections, player projections, the top stack tool, the lineup builder, um, the boomer bus tool, everything. And all of our premium articles and the premium Slack chat, which is so important because you got pros in there like Alex Baker, like Adam Share, Ship My Money, like the Colts, Steve Buzzard, uh, and a lot of other guys that are that are taking your questions. They'll jump in there for an hour or two at a time. Ben Rasa is another great one. And uh, it's a more intimate situation. Instead of just like throwing them a DM or a question on Twitter, you got their attention and it's really awesome. So all of that at awesome.com slash join. And if you're in the MMA, use the promo code Connor, C-O-N-O-R, $2.57. You'll get the whole UFC Awesome Plus package for the next week for $2.57. All right, that's enough of me. But again, go to awesome.com slash join and check it out. Matt, Buffalo, Kansas City. The bill, by the way, credit to Vegas. They opened this one at like 
uh, at two and a half with the night of the Mahomes injury. They opened it at two and a half. Total uncertainty here. No idea what's going to happen. And the most it moved was was a half point and hit that key number of three. I mean, they just they know what they're doing. Even in the price discovery phase, when they released these lines early on in the week, here you have it: three points. Bills three point dogs at Arrowhead. Twenty five and a half point total. Let's start off with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, how can you not be excited to play Stephon Diggs, especially when he's just outperformed his salary-based expectations so often this season? And one thing we got to mention, the Bills lost to the Chiefs. And besides that DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Hail Mary, they have not lost since. So they are on a complete and total tear. And they're running into a Kansas City team that is not 100% healthy, that can't really run the ball and is concerned about Patrick Mahomes' overall health. Now, it looks like Vegas wasn't concerned that he, was not, that he wasn't going to play because I believe if there was any real concern that Patrick Mahomes was going to sit out this game, we would have seen a much larger line movement. But the bottom line is he's still putting in just limited practices. He has not cleared the concussion protocol, although we expect him to. Getting back to Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs might be my favorite value play on the whole slate, and he's only the third highest wide receiver in salary. It's that simple. He's first on the slate in fantasy points per game amongst wide receivers. He's first in the slate in expected fantasy points per game. And the defense that he's facing in the Kansas City Chiefs isn't a tremendous pass defense at all. In fact, they're second worst on the slate against primary wide receivers. There's no reason for me to move off of Stephon Diggs and you know, when I go into the optimizer, I actually usually I put a correlation with the quarterbacks to their wide receivers. With Stefan Diggs, I always go backwards. I always set a correlation with Diggs because I know I want him in so many. Just correlate him and get Josh Allen in some extra lineups. They're actually surprisingly ahead of the Chiefs in the top stacks tool this week. That's kind of crazy, right? And, you know, actually, no, hold on. It is on its face, right? Like it's surprising when you first think about it, but then if you've been watching football and talking about and analyzing football all year, like you and I have, and like everyone that watches our show, because you know, a lot of the people that watch our shows are coming and, and, and listening, but they do their own research too, right? They watch the game. So we're all in on this together. I think once you kind of digest it, you go, you know what? That makes sense. The, The Bills offense has been, extraordinarily good and you know like having a higher top stack probability than the chiefs while it's a little bit alar- or surprising at first we've seen just amazing games from them and and really matt 30 not 37 and 40 percent they're pretty much they're i'm pretty glad much you called that out they're neck and neck yeah absolutely so they're right there but i'm okay with buffalo being right there with with kansas city uh, especially given that, you know, as good as Tyree Kill is, he's fantastic. Stefan Diggs has been just as good, if not better this year. He hasn't had that 58 fantasy point game or whatever it is, but from a reliability standpoint, he's just been remarkable. So, um, yeah, the the Josh Allen, the Stefan Diggs thing is huge. And one more thing, you know what these two teams have in common? Uh, and even to a more extreme degree for Buffalo, they don't run the football very often. And Buffalo didn't have Zach Moss. 
Devin Singletary had seven carries last week in a game in, in a game that is so conducive to running the football that I can't think of another scenario where you would actually run the football more. They won 17-3. There would never the game was never out of reach. They never played from behind, and he ran the ball seven times. <laughs> That's incredible. That's amazing. And you know what? At least to, to give the Bills a huge amount of credit, they really know what they do well. I mean, the eye test tells you yeah. this as well, but the analytics back it up. They were the third best passing offense in terms of uh, if per play efficiency over the course of the season and the 24th best offense in rushing per play efficiency course of the season so stick with the passing game especially against the ravens who clog up the middle of the field against the running back uh, against running back so well in this game it's probably going to be different now i'm not going to say that they're suddenly going to lean on devin singletary or tj yeldon is one of the best plays on the slate all of a sudden but the bottom line is the chiefs defense was 30 of 32 teams over the course of the season in rush defensive uh, rush defense efficiency that's a liability that's a problem. And they weren't that good against the pass either that they ranked just 13th. That's just right at league average. So I don't think that the Josh Allen led bills are going to have any problem moving the ball in general. And then we just need the running backs to get high quality touches near the goal line and fall into the end zone. So I'm going back to the well with Devin Singletary. I hate the fact that he's projected for over 50% ownership, but he's still a value. Comparing his projected volume to salary-based expectations as the sixth highest running back, he simply is fundamentally mispriced for a starting running back. Our boy Anton brings up a a point, a comment of his that I think makes for a good discussion. Uh, He says, where is it, where is it? The Bills, other receivers don't do enough for winning lineups. Production is spread out. I agree that they spread production out, but here's my here's my thing. They don't run the ball. So when you don't run the ball, you're going to put yourself in really fortuitous spots where last week John Brown and Stefan Diggs both had double-digit targets. Now, uh, of course, Cole Beasley didn't. He had an ugly game, and Gabriel Davis uh, only had four targets. But if Gabriel Davis is out, he was a non-participant yesterday with that ankle injury. And now you're down to Beasley, John Brown, and Diggs, and you have an offense where I don't disagree, Matt. You have to at least consider Devin Singletary this week, and uh, maybe he maybe he he does something more than he's done. Right now his his ownership is is really, really high, though. So for me, it's Ronald Jones all the way. But uh, I still think while they spread it out, you have to – if it's a team with low passing volume, I'm going to rephrase it. If it's a team with low passing volume and they spread the ball out, DFS disaster. If it's a team with massive passing volume going up against arguably the best offense that we've seen this decade in Kansas City and they don't run the football, they can spread it out and still throw 50 times and it doesn't matter if the football is spread out to more than just a couple pass catchers. Uh, that's that's excellently said because they ranked 27th the bills did in adjusted rush rate which means that they were way towards the top in adjusted pass rate this season i'm not concerned about overall volume especially playing the chiefs you're going to have to score points to win this game very very simple so uh, especially if you can't run the ball then you start to need players like Cole Beasley or even off the wall picks like Isaiah McKenzie to be 
basically extensions of the run via short passing. And the reason we've seen Cole Beasley be a valuable play certain weeks in DFS this this season is because they basically pepper him with targets and they don't mind going to him near the end zone. So if you're getting a ton of targets and you're catching balls near the end zone, you're not <laughs> you're basically Jamison Crowder on a good offense. And that's actually no uh, diss to either Crowder or Beasley. I think they're both immensely talented. I do want to say that if Gabriel Davis doesn't play, I think you got to look at Dawson Knox as well because both of those players have started to really mix in near the goal line. I believe two targets for Gabriel Davis were end zone targets last week. So that's significant, not necessarily an overall volume, but volume near the red zone, which we expect the Bills to have plenty of, even if they end up losing this game. I'm gonna really miss talking football with you, man. This is this is disappointing. We th- this is it. I know, I know. It's it's a bummer, man. And you know, the 2021 season can't come soon enough. I started to get in my prospect analysis going already. So, but this is awesome. I completely agree. You're gonna uh, you're gonna join us for some Super Bowl content, though, right? When we do a massive oh, heck yeah. live stream leading up to the Super Bowl. Okay, awesome. Oh yes, sir. Uh, awesome. Looking forward to it. Let's let's close it out then. And remember, guys, all of our shows available in podcast form. It's a beautiful thing. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I don't know, whatever other podcast you listen to, we got it. At uh, just just search Awesomeo A W E S E M O. We got it separated by sports. So if you don't want to put your phone in your pocket, you don't have YouTube Premium, so you can't close the screen. Which honestly, if you're on YouTube all the time, you should probably just get it. Uh, maybe you don't want to support the, the overlords here. I get that too. I really do. But at the same time, you could just listen to it podcast form, make your life a little bit easier and hit us with a review and a rating. Uh, if you like the show, uh, we'd really appreciate that as well, because everything in this world is driven by ratings. You know that shit. You can't go to a restaurant anymore without seeing someone say they had a horrible time because their pasta was undercooked, you know? To yelp everything, Matt. Not you got to yelp. You got to look yelp. at a hundred photos. Oh goodness, I know. <laughs> nah, like imagine your whole job is to go in and ruin someone's life and business to tell them their food sucks shit. I don't get it. That's okay though. We move on. Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. Talk to me, baby. I mean, assuming Patrick Mahomes suits up. It's hard to see this game going completely awry from an offensive perspective. And, you know, the Buffalo Bills defense was okay against the pass. They ranked 11th overall in expected points added aloud against the pass. And they were 20th against the run, which would be a bigger concern. But we know that the Chiefs can't really run this season. They rank just at league average in overall rush efficiency, and that's really just because of the quality of their overall offense. Yes, it looks like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, after a false start last week, is going to play this week. He's still just practicing on a limited basis. I'm really only getting to the running backs on the Chiefs' side of the ball in gigantic field tournaments. You know, if I'm playing something like the Millie Maker, I don't mind playing somebody like Le'Veon Bell. But boy, they look like super thin plays. And unless Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is much healthier than I believe he is, I think he's an extremely thin play at best as well. So that just leads me to Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill, as usual this week, as really slam dunk options. I'm not concerned about them changing their game plan because of the Buffalo defense. 
the secondary has played well, and they forced multiple turnovers over their first two playoff games. But we're still looking at a team in the Chiefs who, when healthy, I personally think they're unbeatable. And I was really surprised to see their win probability essentially right at where the Packers is because I think this game is much more lopsided and I think the Chiefs take it easy. I think so, too. Your mic's rubbing a lot. See if you can move that. Let me, right yeah. Not Everyone sure loves it, it I'm we're, sure. We're almost, yeah. we're almost done anyway. Uh, it's also a week where you've got two games where a lot of times you get to the championship round and you get like 40 point totals. We got a 51 and a 54. Like you're going to see a lot of points scored. Uh, I'm never going to uh, argue against Travis Kelsey and against Tyree kill. They're just, you know, fantastic players every single week. Uh, And then if Sammy Watkins doesn't play again, I I guess we can conclude with this. If, if Sammy Watkins doesn't play again, what's the play, Matt? McCall Hardman had four targets. He caught all four of them for 58 yards. He also had a rushing attempt. Uh, and then D- Demarcus Robinson was targeted three times but only hauled in one of them for 14 yards. It's difficult to predict which one of these guys it's going to be on any given week. Byron Pringle was even targeted three times and caught two for 14. So very limited production from them. But I think the reason I'm always – the reason I'd always – caution against avoiding them entirely just because Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey get the bulk of the work is because in this explosive offense, all it takes is one. And we've seen guys like Hardman do that before. It's not to say it will, but on a two game slate, it might. Uh, That of course is under the pretense that Sammy Watkins remains sidelined. Yeah. And I think Sammy Watkins, if he does suit up is actually going to be an interesting play because he's been injured for multiple weeks. People are going to be concerned about just his overall usage. And in that case, I still think if he plays, he'll be that third option. But if he doesn't, he doesn't play. I absolutely prefer Mecole Hardman. And it is a little bit of a bias since he basically has the same expected fantasy points per game as Demarcus Robinson since week 14. But it's just explosive playability. He could add a touchdown on special teams that could help us out. And, you know, as you said, with Patrick Mahomes in general, all it takes is one. And with 4-3 speed, all it takes is one as well. So uh, especially in the playoffs with Andy Reid, using all of the plays in his giant playbook. You know, there were a couple of really great breakdowns of just the insanity of Andy Reid's, the complexity of his play calling. He's just on another level offensively, in my opinion. And when you have weapons like that and speed like that, I just prefer Hardman a little bit more as that large field tournament option. Not saying you can't play Demarcus Robinson, but again, you're really just leaning on one big play, one big touchdown and moving ahead of the field in that way. Right. And by the way, you see at the bottom of the screen, Mahomes remains in concussion protocol. That is true, but it's also true that he took from what we saw all the offensive reps and was just kind of limited and had some light work. Uh, But I I don't see why he wouldn't play here. It's hard to believe that he wouldn't clear the protocol. Plus, they're three-point favorites. If Mahomes is out and you had Chad Henney, there's no way, even at home, even after that heroic third and long run by Henney to ice that game last week um, against the Browns, they would be dogs. There's no doubt about it. Patrick Mahomes just makes too big of a difference. He's too vital to that operation. Uh, last thing, Matt, you talked about it a little bit, but I see it being talked about in chat, uh, and we want to hit on everything on such a small slate. You're talking about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire not not believing that this guy is fully healthy right now, and I tend to agree with you. Dealing with an ankle, a hip injury. Um, what was really interesting last week, though, is, and I, I think a lot of us anticipated this potentially being the case, 
Le'Veon Bell was not the guy, not even close. Daryl Williams was the one that was out there uh, getting the majority of work, both as a pass catcher and as a rusher. If if this is the same case again and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire sits, do you love Daryl Williams? And again, I know you talked about it a bit, but if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, Hilaire is active, um, do you still maybe throw some darts at Daryl Williams or is it just not worth it in this offense? You know, I hadn't thought about it until you, you brought it up. I did project Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to be in. But, you know, the way I see this is that the way to beat the Buffalo defense, or the easiest way to beat them, is through the ground. I know it's something that the Chiefs don't do well, but still a 20th-ranked overall defense in rushing efficiency is not not a good team, well below average. And so, theoretically, we could see some efficiency on the ground. We just have not seen that from the Chiefs at all. So if we have a situation where Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is projected to be active, but the rumors are that he's going to be really just an emergency or backup back, I have no faith in Le'Veon Bell. And then you could say somebody like Daryl Williams is a solid term in play. But in general, I really don't like it unless, like we said, we're playing in large field tournaments and we want to just get wacky with one player, and then we can be choppy with the rest of our lineup. Favorite value plays of the week? Mine? got to be Ronald Jones right now if that ownership holds. Ownership plays a huge role. If his ownership in Singletary's were completely flipped, I'd probably be singing a different song, but uh, we have Ronald Jones projected at 17% right now. That's my guy. Who would you say is your favorite value option of the week at any position? Wow. Okay, so I know it's not really a value because they're not low price, but I think... Low-owned play, man. Oh, a low-owned play? Yeah, that's... yeah. It's the combination of Robert Tunyon or Alan Lazard. I think you could go with the Packers and not Devontae Adams and not Aaron Jones and immediately differentiate yourself. You absolutely are going to see passing volume. We assume efficiency, even though the Tampa Bay defense is strong. So I like Alan Lazard at just 4,200 this week. But if you like Robert Tunyon better, I'm not going to fault you that for that as well. I think the slate is just asking me to play too much Stefan Diggs as the third highest salary wide receiver. Of course, Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams are immensely talented and should put up points. Uh, like, like we said, the top stack probability, Josh Allen playing the best football of his career. It's just hard for me to see that as not the strongest value. And I will add, it's very weird to say this, but Travis Kelsey, as the number one tight end, has more expected fantasy points than Stefan Diggs in the same game. So that's something to be said. I'm not sure we can call him a value, and Stefan Diggs has still performed better than Kelsey in terms of fantasy points scored over expectation. But that volume with Mahomes is something else for Kelsey. Don't forget that. No doubt. And I'll tell you what, DraftKings clearly made a concerted effort to make sure that people can build lineups that they like this week. It's the truth. Like It's a lot of fun. If that wasn't the goal... Tyreek Hill or uh, Tyreek Hill would not be seventy two hundred. Stefan Diggs would not be seven thousand. Some of these prices are just really, really low, which it is what it is. But that's why we do these shows, and we'll be back with you tomorrow morning again. It'll be Chris Bags, Alex Baker, Steve Buzzard. Those are two of the best DFS players that you're going to find out there, breaking everything down. Another strategy show, and then we'll do it Saturday. I think we're doing it Saturday. We, yeah, we should be. Uh, and then Sunday, <laughs> live before lock. We got you covered. We'll see you guys back here soon. Thanks, as always, for hanging out with us. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, one more thing. Hang around. Deeper dive. Live before lock. 
UFC strategy show, all of that throughout the day on the Awesome YouTube channel. Peace. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.